Welcome to Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. Welcome to Crossroads Church, uh, the end of summer edition. Um, what I think that means is um, most of our uh, sermons that you will see that we will uh, that we will put up on Sunday nights for you to see will uh, will have probably taken place in in a church service somewhere, whether it's pre-recorded or live. Um, you'll get a little different flair for. Um, both the worship and also the preaching um, or teaching. And, and I would still encourage you, if you do not have a church home and you live in the San Antonio or the New Braunfels area, uh, we have services there at uh, 11 o'clock in San Antonio and then 1030 in New Braunfels. And then we also have a Spanish service at 1230. And we would love to uh, to worship with you in person. Today's message comes out of Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at the church in a time of turmoil. And, um, and I was thinking, I always think about titles. I always think about titles for messages and, and uh, thought about the church in turmoil would have been a good title, but I really settled on the title, not the first time. Not the first time that the church has been in turmoil. And, um, and, and we're going to look at that and kind of tie it into what some of the things that are happening now. Um, but I just want to uh, just kind of kind of lay the groundwork for what's happening. The church has gone through a little bit of a persecution, actually a lot of persecution, that was the wrong word, um, since uh, back in Acts chapter 7, Stephen has been persecuted, not persecuted, he's martyred, um, and, um, and after that, Saul rises. So here's this great man of God who's stoned to death, and he even says a similar prayer that Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They, they, they do not know what they're doing. And, and the enemies of God were emboldened. And, and so the, this great persecution took off on the church. And in Acts chapter 8, the scripture says that Paul would go from town to town and he would have Christians thrown into jail. And he would have the letters from, um, from the synagogues and the leaders in Jerusalem to have them thrown into prison. And, um, and this persecution was scattering Christians all over. In, in, in Acts chapter 11, verse 19, uh, we see a little bit of a reference to that. It says, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. In other words, the persecution moved the church out. The persecution was was one of the um, the mechanisms, um, whether we want to see it that way or not, that that Christians spread the good news. Now, it, some of them left voluntarily to do that prior to persecution, but there was a great many that took the gospel uh, when they fled for their lives. And, and so we get to, to Acts chapter 12, and the church is still in turmoil. In fact, the church is, is being attacked. Um, and so here we're going to pick up at verse 1 of Acts chapter 12. The Bible says, About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers. So he's now joining in on it. And it says, that some uh, persecute some believers in the church. And he had the apostle James... John's brother killed with a sword. 
Now, you remember remember James and John, the sons of thunder? Jesus saw them. He nicknamed them that. Um, he nicknamed um, Simon Peter, and then the other two disciples, he said, you, you all are going to be called the sons of thunder. And I think I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago that that um, it, it's obvious he had he had uh, some people that he invested in a little more, and, and Peter, James, and John were were the three that he spent even the most time with um, sharing and, and leaving the church in their hands. And and so Sons of Thunder, I thought, was a, a kind of an endearing nickname for those guys, whether they were grumpy or whether they, they, they raised their voice or their, or their dad was uh, the thunderous one. Um, there was some really cool um, stories that we looked at in their lives a couple of weeks ago. But it says here, one of the Sons of Thunder was put to death uh, by the sword. And the scripture says, and this is the part that, I, that caught me a little bit when I was reading this, verse 3, it said, When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. So not only is Herod joining in on the persecution, but he starts to now, uh, most politicians, nothing's changed with politics from the beginning. Uh, if you find that, that people will, will vote for you and like you if you do something, then you're going to do more of it. And so Herod joined in on the persecution that was going on, and he has James, one of the sons of thunder, executed. And it says, when he saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he had Peter arrested. So he's like, okay, you see, being a king, and and, and this was a... This was a fake king, by the way. King Herod was really just allowed to be there because the Romans needed some semblance of control. Um, well, no, they had a total control, and they needed to to allow the Jews to somewhat self-govern um, with um, with Herod being an appointed king, not a uh, not a king in the line of David, which we know uh, has to be um, the, uh, to fulfill the promise to Abraham and 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 what he said also to David in his line. But so King Herod is trying to keep the peace because he knows if he can keep the Jewish people uh, peaceful, um, then 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 it'll be easier for him to rule. Pilate had the same problem. There were revolts that would happen during this time and uh, in these times, and 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 if he could make the Jewish people happy, then then that's one thing off of his plate. And and the scripture says that when he sees that the Jewish people are happy, now I'm not sure in this case if we're talking about the leaders of the temple or if there's a broader scope to 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 this reference, but I will say. Here's a man, a politician, that takes, it, uh, takes the opportunity to see how a death would help him politically, and a death to a Christian, and not just any Christian, one of the three, one of the closest to Jesus, the son, one of the sons of thunder. He kills him, and he says, okay, I'm going after one of the other ones. I'm going after Peter. So he has Peter arrested, and this took place during the Passover celebration. And uh, he imprisons him in verse 4, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Now, now I want you to get this. Peter was, this was a valuable opportunity for Herod. And he didn't want to miss it. He had Peter in his grasp. He had 
essentially the rock, because remember Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. Now, we know that to be the statement of faith, but he called Peter, uh, Simon Peter, or Peter is Petros, or rock. Peter is a rock in the church. He, at, at, at his preaching, thousands came to know Jesus. The church was, was he was one of the, the foremost leaders of the first church. He wasn't the only leader. But he was right there at the top. And if to, to kill Peter would have been, at least in Herod's eye, um, a big win. Because the Jews would be happy because, truthfully, their enemies, they're, they're, they're upset with the, uh, with the Christian movement and, and, and how the Christians are spreading all throughout. And, and they're frustrated and they'd like to end this and finally put an end to what Jesus had started and... Getting rid of Peter would have been a big deal. And so Herod knows this. And so what does he do? He puts four sets of four guards, 16 people to watch over Peter. This seems a little bit extra to me, but he didn't want to have anything standing in the way of a a victory. And I believe a political victory. And it says in verse 4 that Herod intended to bring Peter out for trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in, tr- in prison, the church prayed earnestly for him. And, and, and let, me, let me just say it this way. Tonight, I'm not going to give you a ton of extra verses. I'm, I'm, I tend to be a, uh, a reference after reference type of, of, of preaching, uh, preacher, pastor, teacher. Um, I like to add cross-references. But we're mainly just going to stick right here in Acts. It said that Herod's intention is to uh, to wait till the Passover's over. Know that this is not an important. This is too much of an important day to to mess with. So he's not going to do anything. But afterwards, his intention is to bring Peter out to to put him on public trial. And we know what the goal is. He already had James, one of the sons of thunder. He had him had his had him killed with a sword. So. He had something in mind for Peter as well. And this was his intention. But as his intention goes, I believe he was incited by Satan. I believe that, um, that the persecution against the church was, an incite, uh, was, was the enemy inciting people. Principalities and powers in unseen places moving flesh and blood or encouraging flesh and blood to go after Christians. And his intentions were evil. But look what the response of the church was. It said the church earnestly prayed for him. The the, the church is is, is in earnest. this This would be a big deal to the church. It would be a big blow to their morale. It would, very few were like Peter. Remember when Jesus came walking on the water and he said, Master, if it's you, tell me and, and I'll come to you. And Jesus says, it is I. And, and he got out and he started walking. And remember the waves and the wind and Peter started to sink and he reached out his hand and Jesus grabbed him and pulled him back. And then they got in the boat and he talked about his faith and it was a teaching lesson for Peter. But not many like Peter who was willing to jump out of the boat and walk on water. Um. Yes, he denied him three times, but he also said, 
I love you three times. And and Jesus forgave him. And 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 he took the old and he made something new out of Peter. He took Simon and made him into a rock. And so for the church to lose Peter at this stage of of its development would have been a big deal. Um and so they're praying earnestly for him to be saved, not spiritually saved, but, a, but to be uh, delivered. Look at verse 6. Now, now, actually, before we look at verse 6, I want to say this. The church is in turmoil. The church today is, is, is in turmoil. The church then was under persecution. We're in a different type of turmoil. We're in an apathy, complacency type of turmoil. Um, I read a statistic out of uh, Pew Research Center that said in 2013, 37% of all Americans attended church on a weekly basis. Now, I know I've been guilty of this, and so I will publicly apologize uh, right now. That, um, I, you know, I've griped a little bit about the pandemic. I, I've said it's hurt church attendance, um, that it exposed um, dedication to the church. I, okay, I admit it. I, I'm guilty of, of, of griping. But I was shocked to see that this statistic goes all the way back to 2013. A third of Americans... Uh, were put this way, two-thirds of Americans weren't in church on any given Sunday in 2013. This is uh, a good eight years or so before the pandemic. The church is in turmoil. The church is in chaos. The church is being scattered. But unlike the church in the first century, when it scattered, it multiplied. We've just been, we've just been sent packing to our homes. We've lost an urgency and an earnestness. And um, and I would say a complacency has slipped in. Um, the church is in turmoil. But it's not the first time. Um, it, it's happened before that the church has, has felt the squeeze from the enemy. But the scripture says the remedy, I think... <laughs> Oh my goodness, it's, is it that simple? Is it that simple that verse 5 says it? That they just prayed? Is that the secret? I, I don't know if it's the secret to the numbers going back up, maybe like they were historically in the 50s, and 60s, and 70s. But I've got to believe that if we can do any one thing during this time of crisis and turmoil. It's got to be pray. We don't do enough of it corporately, individually, and maybe you're a prayer warrior. And so this doesn't apply to you, I guess. But if a third of the church, if the third, if two, if only a third of the people in America are in church on a given Sunday, at least this was 2013. Uh, the numbers have not been tallied yet, and I'm sure we're going to find that they're 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 vastly uh, lower than that. But if that's the case, then can do we expect that our prayer lives are earnest? Um, are we praying like we should? 
What is it that, what is it that's going to turn it around? See, this is not the first time the church has been in turmoil. But we're going to have to pray. We're going to have to pray our way out of this. This great escape that we're going to read here in a few more minutes that Peter encounters and goes on, I believe was set in motion by a church that prayed. Let's keep reading. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers, and others stood guard at the prison gate. And suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. And the angel struck him on the side to awaken him. Quick, get up. And the chains fell off of his wrists. And then the angel told him, get dressed and put, put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So, so Peter is, is fastened between two soldiers. Remember, there was a guard duty of four by four. Uh, and so this, this represented one group of soldiers. Sixteen soldiers were dedicated to one man because that one man meant something to Herod. Uh, that meant um, political stability. And his intentions were clear. To put him on trial, a, a, a fake trial, and have him executed. But it said the night before, and even before that, the church is praying earnestly. And here the night before that, that he's to go on trial, an angel goes in, bright light, lights up the cell, and stands before Peter, struck him on the side to wake him up. You know how you, you get that little elbow to wake up? Uh, if you wake up your kids, you're like, come on, let's go. It's time for school. He gets dressed. The angel tells him to get dressed, get his sandals on. Hey, it's time to go. Look at verse 9. Acts chapter 12, verse 9. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He thought he was dreaming. Now, I I think that's interesting. Peter is, is in this prison, chained to two soldiers, and he's got 16 watching over him, and maybe there were shifts. Okay, two on, two off, or two on, and uh, six layers around, and then maybe two were off at the time. I mean, they had a rotation. Uh, we get this, right? So he's under 24-hour uh, um, guard until this trial, and the angel shows up. It says, the light from the angel filled the cell, wakes Peter up. Peter left the cell following the angel, verse 9, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He thought he was dreaming. He didn't realize it was actually happening. And they passed the first and second guard post, remember, four by four. And they came to the iron gate leading to the city. Surely this would have been too much. But it says, and this opened for them all by itself. It didn't say the angel opened it. They just said it opened eerily swung open. And so they passed through and started walking down the street. Then the angel suddenly left him. His job was done. He did what he needed to do. This was the great escape. The church in turmoil, Petros, Peter, its rock, was in jail. It wasn't the first time the church had been in turmoil. It wasn't the first time 
there was an attack on on the believers of the church. It wasn't the first time the church had been scattered. It wasn't the first time the church was worried about what was happening. But I think the question that came to me was, will we be that church that God rescues through some mighty or some way that we couldn't even describe? It says Peter thought it was a vision. He couldn't believe it was happening. In fact, verse 11 says, Peter finally came to his senses. Church, hear me out. I, I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. But I think we're sleepwalking. We've been sleepwalking and doing church. And it's time to wake up. This is the appointed time. This is the time for the church to speak out, to speak up, to stand up. To wake up. The church was in earnest prayer. Peter's sleepwalking. says, but when he finally comes to his senses, he says this. It's really true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders planned to do to me. You see, I believe the enemy has intentions for the church. He loves the numbers of Pew Research. He loves the fact that it's, uh, there's such a low number of people on a given Sunday. I mean, they didn't even talk about twice a week. This was once a week. It had always been kind of figured that a quarter to a third of the people who came on a Sunday would show up for a midweek something, whether it's a prayer meeting or it's just kind of those are the numbers. So 33% of, of, of Americans were in church on a, on a given Sunday. What does that mean for a, like a midweek or a Bible study or a small group? What does that mean now? The church is in turmoil. And it's going to take us on our knees again praying. And, and we've got to come to our senses and understand that that. The enemy had some, has some intentions for us, but God has a plan. The scripture says in verse 12 that when he realized what had happened, when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered in prayer. And, and there's some other things that are happening here, and, and I'm not going to get into the rest of it because... Um, and I know we don't have, have time for all of it. But what does he do? He goes and he joins the same people that were praying for his rescue. So at church, we have a, we have a job to do. Uh, we have a job, and that is to join together in prayer, praying that God would rescue others so that other people would come to know Christ. And if you find yourself in a deep, dark cell, and, and I'm not necessarily say physically or literally, but maybe you're in a place where you feel you're in a turmoil of your soul, or, or you've been part of the collateral damage of the church being in, 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 in turmoil and, and being scattered. I would just encourage you, know that there's a church praying for you. And I don't know all of your names. I don't know who will watch this message a year from now, two years from now. But I believe that the prayers of the saints, go they, they go out. I believe the prayers of my mom 
um, have continued to uphold me throughout the years, the prayers of, of my wife and my kids and my church family. I believe our prayers um, will sustain us, but I believe they can also be the, um, the fire to revival. Um, this is not the first time the church has been in a tough situation. Let's pray that we will, we will respond like the first church did, earnestly in prayer, coming to our senses and recognizing that what God intends for us is so much more than what the enemy had planned for us. Be encouraged today. God wants to use his church. Would you be part of that? Let's pray. God, I thank you for, for great escapes, um, for stories like these that remind us that it's not been easy, always easy. It's not been always easy for the church. And the church has gone through some tough times in the past, and it's going to face some tough times moving forward. But Lord, would you help us to come to our senses and see that you have a plan for us, that you have a great intention for the church. Um, Lord, would you use us? Would you revive us? Um, would you help us in this time? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroadstx.church. Thank you.